Back on After Hours. Thanks to McKenzie Nelson of KSHB 41 News. Sports news. No action. You think I win that poll question? I think you do. Okay. B-Dub, uh, producer of Fesco in the Morning, says, now I got to go out there and prove it and play golf with it. Right? I'm always up. You got to go prove it. You got to. You know, it's like Andy Reid says, now we're up for the challenge. I really wasn't taking a shot at the Royals earlier either. I just think there's some people, just from what I've heard from Twitter, that enjoy this program a little bit more. You know? Do you take the total amount of drives and then, like, see who wins the most? Now, the biggest flex would be, like, let her hit the driver, let me hit a three-wood, and then I still outdrive her. Wouldn't that be something? That would be. Yeah. I do love that text, though. Giving Travis any ammo and time to plan is a dangerous road to go down for Murphy. But I do want to talk about the rest of the AFC. Because I think we can all agree that we're a little bit shocked of what's going on in Cincinnati. And this was, this was Nick Wright's opinion on what's going on with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals and if they should rest him or sit him. Do the Bengals sit Joe Burrow? Of course! <laughs> He's been the worst quarterback in the league. And I don't think he is. Well, like, I think Joe's awesome. <laughs> but look at the numbers. We're a They're quarter of the way through the season. Can we show he you the numbers, worse. please? Has he been worse than Zach? No, that's not okay. the numbers I wanted to show, but those numbers are good, okay. too. Yeah, those he are can't not. throw the ball downfield, yeah. but his ranking numbers, he is, bro, he's last or second to last or fourth to last in everything. Thanks to Zach Wilson's monster performance yesterday, Joe now has the lowest passer rating in great. football. Joe now has the lowest yards per pass. And as I said on Friday... I am not worried about the Achilles because of the calf. I am worried about the rest of his body. And we saw him in the game Sunday. He was getting his ass kicked through no fault of his own. And this happens on the sideline. Ah, this hurts. Ah, that hurts. So, hmm, you've got your franchise quarterback. You are putting him in jeopardy. And he's not helping. This is franchise malpractice. You are getting none of the benefit and all of the risk. Anytime you can do an all all risk, no reward situation, you just got to do it. <laughs> what are you thinking? Honestly, you got to sit him down, hope you can win, and if not, at least he'll be healthy at some point. What are they doing? Because we asked this question right. JT, we, we asked each other, who's the biggest disappointment? I kind of went with Pittsburgh, but then again, I don't know what the standards were for Pittsburgh throughout the year. I kind of had them being a surprise team in the North. And then I kind of leaned towards it's got to be Cincinnati, right? Like the Chiefs in Cincinnati, I was always pained to see that that game was January or December 31st, week 17, because I thought to myself, well, what if both teams, um, you know, already have their spot locked? Like, let's say that, you know, because the I think the goal and the the dream by scheduling was, A, it's New Year's Eve, 325. Great way to get people viewership, right? You just... Obviously would, you know, go to whosoever house you're going to go to celebrate the new year, watch the Chiefs games, and then just get carried away into the evening. Um, my biggest fear was what if one team's out of it? And I knew it wasn't going to be Kansas City because they just haven't. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, 
Mr. Bias, Mr. You know, Chiefs Bias fan. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm a radio host with, with, I think, enough credibility to defend this take that the Chiefs are always in the playoffs, right? How many, how many AFC Championship games have they been to in a row? Five? How many Super Bowls have they been in five years? Three? How many have they won? Two? Right? Again, they've won their division seven years in a row. It's going to be eight. Cincinnati is done. I don't think Cincinnati recovers from this. What did Jamar Chase say? I'm always open. I'm always open. Sorry for my apologize for cursing. Like, it's over. And I get it. It's early. They're one in three. It's week, it's week five of the NFL season. But look, Kansas City, Buffalo, Miami, Baltimore all have a two-game lead on you in the AFC standings. You've yet to get into the grunt of your season. The reason I say they're a bigger disappointment, as we both, I, I was the one that said, hey, maybe the Steelers, because yeah. I had high hopes on the Steelers as well. But the reason I have Cincinnati, and you can kind of convince me, but it's more about this. I blame I blame the coaching and the front office more for why their season's where it is. Last year, remember, they started 0-2. You sit Joe Burrow the first two weeks this year, okay, you're 0-2, but you have a healthier Joe Burrow. Right mm-hmm. now, he's a skinnier Big Ben. No offense to Ben yeah, yeah. Roethlisberger, but still, like, he he can't move. And Tennessee did the right thing. They blitzed him and put pressure on him because we're going to attack your weakness, and it's it's your legs. You can't move, so you're a stationary quarterback. Let me go after you and hit you as many times as I can. Yeah, and I think the one thing that's kind of, I don't know if it's, I don't know if the poetic justice is the right term here, but they went out and got Orlando Brown Jr., to protect Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is not being protected. So that's the Cincinnati take. I think Cincinnati's done. I don't think that there is any hope for them the rest of the season because they play in a division with the Baltimore Ravens. I think there's two playoff teams that come out of the AFC East. I think there is what? One team probably going to come out of the North right now. I don't think Cleveland's going to make it, even though their defense is surprisingly good under Jim Schwartz. I I think Baltimore wins the North as of right now. I think the South, I mean, we'll see what Houston can do, right? We'll see what the, everybody in the South is two and two. Um, in the AFC East, there's two teams that are three and one. So, you know, a wild card's coming out of that. I'm not ready to say that the Chargers fate has been written, Um but you got to think they're going to be somewhere in that mix, which is going to leave Cincinnati on the outside looking in. Like, we're going to look at this team, because I think this is what I I truly believe. I truly do believe this. I think that the top three contenders in the AFC are Baltimore, or are Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City. Kansas City is going to play Miami, right, here soon. And there's a good chance that both of these teams could have one loss going into Germany. Both might be seven and one. And that is such a huge game because of seeding in the AFC. Kansas City beats Miami, tiebreaker, enough set. You move on. You don't play Baltimore. You will play Buffalo. Because once you get to Miami, the AFC gets real fun. You play Miami. You have a bye week. You play Philadelphia. Then you play Buffalo. Then you play the Chargers again. Then you play... Uh, Cincinnati in week 17. And all of that is towards the end of the, of the regular season. But I think right now we can all agree that the top teams in the AFC are the teams with obvious, this sounds like a John Madden take, with the best records. It's Kansas City, Buffalo, Miami, Baltimore. All four, three and one. We played four weeks of the season. 
You play 17 weeks. You are essentially what I would consider a little bit of a quarter into the season. I think we know who Cincinnati is. I think they need to rest Joe Burrow. I think if they do rest Joe Burrow, that team struggles because that offensive line can't block for their quarterback. You throw a backup quarterback in there that's already nervous, not destined for good things. T. Higgins is banged up. He's on a contract year. There's a little bit of unhappiness in there. Look, Cincinnati's window's closing, and that's what shows you, and I'll end this topic on this, that's what shows you of why the Chiefs can always be successful because they've survived that first wave. They survived the Super Bowl, the quarterback underneath the contract before it got big. Yes, you're upset. Nobody got Tyreek Hill signed on the Chiefs. Yes, you saw Juju Smith-Schuster go to another team. They didn't want to pay Chris Jones. They got him on incentives, and you think about where's all this money? Well, they're successful through in and throughout because of what they have at quarterback, what they have at a roster, what they have at GM and head coach. Everybody else outside of Baltimore, outside of Buffalo, which Buffalo was a little shaky with their head coach. But again, the rest of the AFC, man, we'll get into the AFC West because that's another sad thing. But I want to get into this Minnesota game. You wanted to test? You want to look and see what this defense can really do? There's going to be a test this week against Minnesota. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Back in on After Hours, Dusty Leg is with you, JT with you as well. All the way until 9 o'clock, the schedule is officially in the books, man. We're, we're here. I don't know if I'm him. Uh, by the way, today is National Boyfriend Day, so shout out to you, JT. Way to be a guy. I know, I know. Feels, it feels good. I got the the post. I'm like, hey, look at that. She oh, you got it. tagged in it. That's respect. You better figure out what National Girlfriend Day is. Probably tomorrow. I could see them sneaking that in there. Oh, I, I definitely could see it happening. But luckily, I have so many friends that have girlfriends. I'll see mm-hmm. one post and be like, all right, I know what day it is. I got to get the post out. Somebody says from the 816, the more confident CJ Stroud gets, they can challenge for the South. He does look legit. We'll get to the to a question I have. With a, with a which one is better, uh, probably on the other side of this, as we look at the AFC West versus the AFC South, we'll also get into uh, the local schools that play. K-State is on Friday night, so I did lie to you. I am sorry, um, but I won't be on this Friday night. Um, I will be uh, not on. K-State will start at 4.30. That game at 6 o'clock uh, or 6.30 against Oklahoma State. So Friday night lights in the college town. But where I want to get to, which is where we left off, is the Minnesota Vikings, right? They're one and three. They're already trying to chirp, right? We read you the we read you the quote earlier. We're gonna try to put our hands all over him in front of her. We don't even know if Taylor Swift's gonna be in Minnesota, home of Prince. By the way, is Prince underrated, overrated, or perfectly rated? Because I feel like Prince is underrated, in my opinion. Some people would be like, "Yeah, he's perfectly rated. Everybody respects Prince." Game blouses. But one thing that I do like about this game is that I do feel that because I thought Jacksonville was like the first test for this defense because I think that offense is going to eventually come around. I think that they will kind of show strides that they can be the team in the AFC South, which, again, everyone in the AFC South is two and two. We'll talk about that division here in a little bit as we uh, parallel it with the AFC West. But Minnesota, man. So there's two things as of Tuesday before the game on Sunday at 325, which you can hear on our sister station, 106.5, the Wolf pregame on 610 Sports Radio. Jay Binkley will have the Arrow Pride postgame show where he's joined by Kling, Pete Sweeney, 
Um, and also, Jay Binkley, Chris Nacero, the Character Concerns podcast comes out tomorrow. So make sure you're looking for that on X or Twitter or whatever it is. Or if you follow those guys on the Book of Face, uh, maybe you can look there as well. But one thing I will say is that Minnesota – uh, has a very talented offense, right? It's no secret who their number one weapon is, Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver in football. One of my favorite hypotheticals is, would you rather have Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill? And it's amazing to me how many people are confused at the start of that question. Maybe you want Tyreek Hill, you like the speed, you like the, you know, the threat. Um, but Justin Jefferson... I mean, dude's a stud. Best wide receiver in the game, going to set the new record for highest paid wide receiver. In fact, if I'm Minnesota and you lose this game, you're one and four, I'm going to somebody who's a receiver away, and I'm saying, give me two first rounds, give me two second rounds, and a third, and he's yours. Uh, I don't know about that one. You know what I would do if you lose this one? Maybe you start calling, like, the Jets, or you'd be like, or you call another team that's a quarterback, and you go, hey, Kirk Cousins, I know you you aren't going to get that much for him, but you could get something in value that opens up the cap space to then, then re-sign Jefferson. Because I think you got to keep Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, he's a generational talent, right? He's a, he's a solid wide receiver. But if you're not going to build your team, and it's not going in the direction you want, and he's not going to be happy there, and he pulls like a James Harden, he's like, I just want to make the team uncomfortable. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be here. Whatever. But, uh... Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Jordan Addison, and Alexander Mattins, right? That's their offense, right? Led by Kirk Cousins. That's the first thing that I look at when I look at this game because you think about what their offense can be. They can throw with anybody. They can, uh, you know, they can hang it out there with anybody they want. I know they can score. I know they can be a playoff team. Again, they're one and three. They've got to challenge Detroit and Green Bay in that division. And they lose last year in the playoffs to the New York Giants. So the defense is going to have a, a, a fun test. And we're going to find out tomorrow when the injury report comes out, who didn't practice, who was limited. We'll see the where, where we're at with Nick Bolton. And I think one thing that you're going to see with this is that this is going to be Trent McDuffie's biggest challenge. Because we've seen all year that he's one of the top-rated corners, according to Pro Football Focus, when it comes to man coverage one of the highest, if not the highest graded cornerback against coverage against wide receivers. There's also a guy named TJ Hawkinson who seems to be another favorite target as he should be for Kirk Cousins. And with the addition of Jordan Addison in the, in the, in the backfield, Alexander Madison, now they're not running the ball a whole lot, right? And they just got Cam Akers from, from the Rams, whatever that may be. The other thing that I look forward to in this game is the fact that Kirk Cousins is going to give you two. He's going to give you two turnovers. He's either going to fumble the ball, he's either going to fumble with the mishap of a snap, and he's going to throw you an interception. It's going to happen. They lose to the Chargers when he throws an interception. The end zone's deflected. It's in a crowded spot. Chargers win the game on a last-minute interception. Last week, he throws a pick six, 99 yards down the – goes to the house. Now, they win last week. They survive. But the thing about Minnesota is they're a team that at the end of the day, when you put the Kansas City Chiefs next to the Minnesota Vikings, there is no doubt in my mind that you should look at it and say, yes, Kansas City wins this game. Defensively sound, offensively questionable, but I think their offense is okay because of what they have at quarterback and tight end. 
but your defense is going to get a test. Your defense is going to get that sort of high octane offense better than the bears, better than the jets. I think better than the, than the lions. And I think better than Jacksonville. And again, as we have said all night, this is a season where it is very cupcaked at the beginning. And then you get to week, what, eight, nine, week nine, you play the dolphins. Week 10, you have a bye. Week 11, you play the Eagles, and then it gets really heavy. And if you need that, like, pre, you know, pre-rec test, okay, well, we finally played a team that has a good offense. And if you shut Minnesota down to, let's say, 17 points, and Justin Jefferson doesn't have a Justin Jefferson game, will you believe then to take a line from Coach Prime? Because I think there's so many people that have been burned by bad defenses in the past by the Chiefs, and you want to think that the Chiefs will always have the same sort of mentality. Ben, don't give up 21 points. Your offense scores 24. End of story. Game over. Survive week in and week out. But this is a game in which if you do stop this sort of high-powered offense and you do kind of keep this offense in check with a guy like Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, Kirk Cousins, then what? Then what's next? So the two things that I look for in this matchup, how do they match up against their stars on offense? And how do they take advantage of the two mishaps that Kirk Cousins will give you? Because he will do it. He will throw an interception once or twice, and he will definitely fumble a ball if he does not throw a second interception. And if he doesn't, then it's going to be Madison, because Madison also has had some problems holding on to the football. And they don't run the ball. They just don't run the ball. And the thing that I love the most about all of that, and maybe we'll be joined by Henry Lake on Thursday night. I'll reach out to Henry who's in Minnesota celebrating the Twins win tonight. We'll get Henry Lake on the show on Thursday and talk to him about these Minnesota Vikings because I do believe he will agree with those two saying. Now, again, it's going to be a good game. It's one and three versus three and one. I get it, but it's in Minnesota, 325 on Sunday. So we'll see where the story goes. Somebody says from the A16, Vikings are talking too much blank for a team whose quarterback is dressed by his wife. Take the high road, Chiefs fans. Let them talk. Then when the game's over and they get housed and it's done, then you can say, all right. Because that was the best part about Dion. All these teams would talk a bunch of smack. And then at the end of the game, he'd be like, where are they at now? I talked about it earlier. Again, a reminder, at 8 o'clock, we'll do the out of left field question that we do every single time that we have these shows on. So 913-586-7610. We'll get to that question at 8 o'clock. But on the other side, I have a question for you. What's better or what's worse? The AFC South or the AFC West? JT, Dusty Likens, the 610 Sports Radio, and you're listening to After Hours. Get on 610 Sports Radio. Dusty Likens with you. Uh, we're here all night. Uh, the poll question that we sent out earlier, I'm getting destroyed. Yeah, dude. It says, who outdrives who on the golf course, Dusty Likens or Mackenzie Nelson? Um, I'm getting beat. Only 50 votes. So we have 23 hours left, people. Um, but as of right now, I'm getting beat 66% to 34%. Haters. Bunch of hate. 
So much for playing that song for you. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. You can't win them all. No, no, you can't. But I can say that I played golf with a former NFL wide receiver, and I hit a drive, and he said, I don't even need to hit. I saw where that landed. So, you know. Take that for what it's worth. Great song by uh, Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. Um, MLB playoffs are going on right now. D-backs over the Brewers. That's D-backs. That's what I said. Uh, Philadelphia, Miami going on. I will always root for Philadelphia. Again, I didn't even know the the playoffs started today. I'm sorry. I did see somewhere today that um, ESPN, who's hosting the games, mentioned it for a total of 28 seconds and only three times on, what, three of their biggest shows today? Actually, it was it, – they showed it twice. Yeah. You had uh, Greenberg say it twice on Get Up, and then Stephen A., I think, said it once on First Take. Uh, kind of crazy how they're headlining it as it's on their own show. <laughs> and, you know, you I, I know we want to get into the AFC West versus mm-hmm. the AFC South. Yeah, pay you off know, the tees. You know uh, a team that's going to be rocking if they get past the wild card round? Arizona. They are, okay. they are, they're, they're striving for some championship. Tell me when's the last time Arizona had a good sports team. Uh, Kurt Warner. Yeah. I mean, it, Larry Fitzgerald was in, in, in outfits out there, man. I mean, what year was that Super Bowl? 2011. Yeah. I think it was 2011. It had Fitzgerald it, versus Roethlisberger. And, yeah. Troy Paul Malu, the hair going versus hair, yeah. all the hair products. Yeah. Cause what? I remember that being the Madden cover. Cause those two were yep. headbutting. So yep. I remember this. I think that was 2011. I never get the years right in football. It's confusing. Somebody from the 970 says Prince is evenly rated. I asked that about Minnesota. Overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated for Prince. One response. Don't forget, 8 o'clock, we'll do the out-of-left-field question. 913-586-7610. Always love to bring everybody together that's listening uh, during after hours. Uh, we'll do that at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll dive into that. It's uh, always um, it's always interesting. We were totally off. 2009. Nine. Oh, nine. Mm, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, but what I want to get into, JT, is do you think the AFC West is worse than the AFC South? And the reason that I brought this up is I thought the AFC South was going to be the worst division this year with two rookie quarterbacks in it. Um, Ryan Tannehill, who I, I don't know, he stole some money. Uh, that's Obviously, an exaggeration. He just got paid as a top quarterback, and he's not a top quarterback. They're running back, and Derrick Henry threw a touchdown this weekend. Um, and he's obviously uh, decreasing in production. But you look at the AFC South, Jags, Texans, Colts, Titans. All of them are 2-2. Two and two. And I think the surprise there is the Texans, right? My buddy Ron Hughley, he just went nuts on Monday because they have a legit football team, and it's the first time since he's been in Houston that they've had a good football team. It was great video, great audio of him uh, doing what Ron Hughley, you know, traditionally does, just get wild. C.J. Stroud has been quite the surprise. Probably has rookie of the year locked up. That or the kid, well, I guess defensive rookie is going to go to that kid from Seattle. Weatherspoon? The yeah. one that had to pick six last night? Yeah, yeah. He, he was flying all night. So hopefully nobody in fantasy football was going to be in somebody that had Seattle's defense. Like, well, I'm up 35. There's no chance I lose. Don't ask my brother about that because he had the, he went against Cowboys defense. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good. But you look at the AFC South, right? C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill. Everybody's two and two. You look at the AFC West. 
Chargers, Chiefs, Vegas, Denver. If Denver plays Jacksonville, Houston, Colts, or the Titans, do they win against any of those teams? No chance, right? We will take the other team no matter what the spread is. We'll take whoever versus Denver. Because I think if they played at Jacksonville or at Denver, Jacksonville would be favored. I think if they played at Houston, it'd be like minus one and a half, minus one, maybe a pick them for Houston. If they played at the Colts, they're probably a favorite just because they'll probably take Russell Wilson and Sean Payton over Anthony Richardson and the Colts. And if they played at Tennessee, I think Tennessee would be the favorite. You could do the same thing with Vegas and the Chargers. Obviously, the Chiefs would be favorites against all of them because the Chiefs are favorites against everybody they play so far this year and so far in Vegas throughout the season, futures bets. The Chiefs are the favorites. In fact, the stat that came out is that this is the first time ever, according to Vegas, that one team has been favored in every single matchup in the preseason. Again, that's the spread. But I didn't think that I would have this topic or this take by week five of the regular season. I really didn't because I led preseason football talk that the AFC South was the worst division. That one team would come out of the AFC South and be Jacksonville. I thought the AFC East was going to be a fight. I thought Buffalo, this might be the year they missed the playoffs. Wrong about that. Miami, I thought was going to be good. New England will surprise people, but the Mac Jones era is apparently not good. And obviously, the two front runners in Buffalo and Miami. You look at the AFC North, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Like, who would have thought that all four teams in the AFC South going into week five would have a better record than the Cincinnati Bengals? But the AFC West is not good. The Chiefs are clearly the dominant team. Now, again, I'm not ready to throw away on the Chargers yet just because they're the Chargers and they'll surprise people. Then they'll surprise people in a good way and a bad way. But I like this more when you compare Kansas City to the New England Patriots because everybody will do that until Mahomes isn't in football and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are paired together because they'll always do comparisons to Kansas City, New England, Dynasty v. Dynasty. Apparently to some, the Chiefs aren't a dynasty yet because they have won three Super Bowls. Been to three, one, two, whatever. But I like this more than when the Patriots were better than everybody in their division in the East, right? That's when Minnesota or when Miami wasn't good, Buffalo wasn't good. Buffalo was a laughing stock of the NFL. And the Jets were the Jets, right? They challenged the Patriots every once in a while, a nine and seven. They'd get a surprise win. They were like the Chargers of the East. Then Miami was kind of like the Denver of the East back in the in the in the AFC East days where the Patriots were the king of that division. And now you have the Chiefs who have won this division seven years in a row. And it doesn't look like this division's getting any better. Right? Vegas is a mess because Josh McDaniel doesn't really know what he's doing at head coach. They got Jimmy Garoppolo who's in and out. Aiden O'Connell was the quarterback this week. Devontae Adams isn't happy. It's a mess in Vegas. The Chargers will always be looking in the rearview mirror of when it's time to drop off Brandon Staley on the side of the road and move on. It's one of those tough situations. It's like, I don't want to leave this guy because we built so much together and we have Justin Herbert, who's the franchise quarterback, who should be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I trust they can get it right. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, what are we doing here? Are we getting any better or are we just staying bad? And then you look at Denver. Sean Payton is way in over his head. I get it. They beat the Bears. They were down 28-7. to The Bears threw that game away, and the Broncos ended up winning that game. 
So when you look at the comparisons of the AFC West versus the AFC South, the Chiefs play in the worst division in the AFC. I think Cleveland is better than some teams in the AFC West. Sad to say. I know I'm giving up on Cincinnati, and some people may not. They're going to be like, hey, until they're like mathematically limited, Cincinnati is still a threat. But who'd have thought, man, AFC South? Because I think Anthony Richardson's going to come around. I know he missed a game with concussion protocol, and he's had some mishaps, and he's shown that he can be a threat running the ball, coming back into games. They played the Rams very tight. I'm not saying the Rams are a, a super good team. And the Titans beat the Chargers already this year. So if I had to put a gun to my head right now and you said, hey, who's the better division, AFC West or AFC South? It's the AFC South, and it's not, to me, close. Just because I think three of those teams could handle two of the teams in the AFC West very easily. I don't think Denver's going to win more than seven games. I don't think that the Vegas Raiders are going to win more than seven games. I think the Chiefs are going to win 13, 14 games, and the Chargers are going to be somewhere around 10 games. And in the AFC South, you might have three teams win 10 games and be a fight till the very end, and one of those teams might slip into a wild card. Well, when you look at these two divisions, and I throw out the bottom two, Vegas, I I throw Las Vegas and Denver out because I think they go 0-4 in that division going up against the South. Los Los Angeles is where I think it would be the make-or-break deal is because I think when you look at it right away, I'm saying Tennessee Jacksonville win against the Chargers because of coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the coaches over Brandon Staley both times. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Houston and Indianapolis, and they're both with rookie coaches. But the way Houston's playing on defense, I think, or especially on offense, I think they can find ways to get through it. Brandon Staley is lucky to have a job. Going for it twice in back-to-back weeks on fourth and one in your own on your own side, either tied or up by seven, in the fourth quarter is so clueless and mind-boggling mm-hmm. to me. Why are you doing that? Just like Chicago not kicking the field goal, mm-hmm. it, it makes no sense. Coaching matters, and Brandon Staley is not a good head coach. I get it. He's aggressive, but he's weirdly aggressive. He'll be really aggressive one day, and then when he plays the Chiefs, he's going to be conservative and play it like, oh, I'm scared and out of my out of my butt and just doesn't do anything right. Yeah, schizophrenic kind of as a head coach. Uh, we talked to McKenzie Nelson about it earlier. She was there. J.J. McCole spoke to the media today. I want to play a couple audio cuts, react to it, and the final segment of the 7 o'clock hour and then 8 o'clock. It's the out-of-left-field question. We'll get your questions ready here shortly. 913-586-7610. JT, it's Dusty. You're listening after hours on 610 Sports Radio. Yeah, straight A student, but I'm friends with a cool kid. Following the rules and the rubric. Freestyle on the bus and it's too lit. Everybody like, hold down, who's this? Who's this? Raising the stakes like Roos Chris. Clockwork, high shine like Kubrick. Yeah, I heard what you got with the music. Think that We're it's making high, moves in the poll. There's only 68 votes now. But now it's 60-40 in favor of McKenzie Nelson. That is what it is. People like to hate. 60-40 on who outdrives who. See what happens. Put that together and see where we go from there. Um, but speaking of McKenzie Nelson, again, thanks for her to coming in tonight uh, and hanging out with us in after hours. Always a, a fun time. Whoever wants to come in and party uh, late nights at 610 Sports with your boy. Um, but she had mentioned she was there today. Uh, mentioned what JJ had to say about what next year should look like, what they can improve on. This was uh, JJ Bacola on hitting, pitching, and the staff that will all be back next year. The pitching department did an excellent job. Everything that we were trying to accomplish last year in the hiring process, collaboration, 
um, different ideas, hearing people talk about pitching, uh, that happened. And I think our pitching processes have, have moved forward uh, the way we expected them to. Uh, we do expect better results in time, but right now uh, we like what we're seeing as far as what's going on behind the curtain. Um, also, I want to say the same thing about our hitting department because it was a tough first half of the year. Uh, Alex Zumwalt, Keone, this is their second year doing it. So they're learning a lot uh, along the way. Um, watching how we performed and executed in certain situations, and again, in the last 60 games, was much better than it was in the first 100 games. And I think uh, they learned a lot uh, as well. So we're really, we're very happy with that staff. Uh, we may continue to look to grow the staff, um, but as far as the key players on the staff, they'll all be back. So everybody coming back next year, I don't think coaching was the issue uh, with the Royals this year. I think a lot of it was they started the season kind of a split locker room. Who's the future? Who's, you know, who's going to get dealt? You know, you had the Hunter Dozier saga. You had the uh, Roldis Chapman sort of thing, the Nicky Lopez, all these sort of players that kind of seemed like they fit, but they fit better probably somewhere else or not on this roster because there were young talent behind them that were, you know, trying to build what is a core to this team, right? You got the trade with the Texans, Texans. You got a trade with with the Rangers, Texas Rangers, uh, where you got Cole Reagans, right? And he was a stud. I think he'll be your opening day starter next year. I think he's your number one, no questions asked. I think you just have to let him be your guy. He he was very evidently obvious that he was the number one when it came to that rotation. Um, The thing that they need to see, which he alludes here on this next piece of audio, is the improvement of the team. Now, Vinny Pasquantino will be back next year. We'll see what happens with the with the, you know, the maturity of a Nick Prado, but you had pieces this year that shined. And obviously you had your 30-30 guy in Bobby Wood Jr., who's the superstar of this team, build it around it. But this was where they said they need to see steady improvement. Well, we gotta we gotta see steady improvement. Um, you know, it, it's I don't I'm not gonna I don't think Q or I want to put any type of expectations on wins and losses, but there, there's got to be steady improvement. And I, you know, I will say I, I don't believe we're truly a 106 loss team. Uh, when you walk into that clubhouse and you feel the energy that there was that was in the clubhouse, I think we came up short of what we probably you know should have won over the course of the year. But you know, our, our record is what it is. We can't run away from that. Um, so. You know, we just want to see improvement, uh, be more competitive in the wins and loss column. And then, you know, the processes, I think, as I referred to, are good. I think they're moving us in the right direction, uh, where I expect the the results will be better next year. And then with the offseason plan, you mentioned new faces on the, on the team. Yeah. Well, you know, there, you, have, you have starting pitching and relief pitching. I mean, there's no question our bullpen has to be addressed. We have to build out a bullpen uh, we have some guys that are capable that need to be more consistent. Um, he needs to be able to rely on four to five guys on a nightly basis that can hold a lead. Uh, we didn't have that this year, so we have to we have to get more talented and more consistent uh, in that area. Starting rotation has to get deeper. We essentially have three guys that we believe are in the rotation right now. The rest of them are competing and may come from the outside. Uh, and then also uh, production uh, probably in the out, from the outfield uh, more than likely. We do have some versatility that may allow us to think differently, but um, just on the surface, we've got to get more production out of our 
outfield, corner outfield spots. So you think to yourself, what does that mean, right? Is that kind of saying that MJ Melendez hasn't been that guy, won't be that guy? You hear the words of maybe get somebody from the outside pitching. There are free agent pitchers out there. Again, I don't know what sort of moves you make. Right, We listened to the rumors that were out there that the Dodgers had called on Brady Singer in this season. Brady Singer was an up-and-down roller coaster from when he was here this season to where he was up, and he was then he was, he was great. Then he would dive back down to this whole, like, where did this come from? And I do think they need to make moves outside, and I kind of tease, like, are, are people ready to see this team maybe trade a Salvador Perez for an arm? for a bullpen piece, do you try to duplicate or replicate the same sort of strategy that you had in 13 through 16, where you've got two dynamite pieces in your bullpen for arms, maybe stumble across the third and get guys that can give you five to six innings and then lock it up. I know that's very hard to do. That's a bullpen that was an anomaly of baseball. You've yet to see one as good, at least in my opinion, that from the 7th, 8th, ninth, every single one of those guys could have been a closer and ended games. But the Royals have to make a move somewhere. You have to go sign somebody. You have to get somebody in that locker room that is similar to what the James Shields thing did because I'm not comfortable with this pitching situation moving forward. I'm not sold that they have three arms in that bullpen. I think they got one. They've got one arm that they can lean on if, in fact, they were to be like these other teams tonight. Hey, it's a wild card game. I need you to go out there and shove. And that's Cole Reagans. And he might not even be a number one for most teams. He might be a solid number two. But you got to go out there and find you an arm. Because the arms that you have, that's where you struggle. I think this team can, I know this team can score. But to a point of, are they too far out of it? So I think they got to go sign a pitcher. And I know people sitting there rolling your eyes all the time. The Royals don't go sign people. I'm not saying you got to go get Blake Snell. I'd love it. Christmas morning. But you got to go get somebody in this, in this rotation that can be a one or a two on the opposite side of Cole Reagans. Because I think Cole Reagans is him. I think that dude is is definitely, he's shown his, his potential. But outside of that, question marks. The last question he was asked. We can't sit here and tell you that we think because we had a, a decent last 60 games that we're going to be a, a different type of team next year. Uh, again, it's over 162. But, you know, we... we if we didn't play those well those that last month, then then we're really questioning right, what do we have. But there's a sign of maturity. If you look at the age ages on our roster, um, you know they did some things that I think are significant uh, as far as speaking to their character, their competitiveness uh, that made, left us to be a little more optimistic. You know, there, Q said something I think it was last week. You know, the first, when we, early in August when we went on a little run. That was basically the Bobby Witt show, you know. But then this more recent run uh, was more of a team effort, and Bobby didn't do as much during that time. He didn't have to carry the team. So you look for little signs like that to be optimistic. 
And because we played better the last 60 games, we, we need to be optimistic. You know, I don't think this team is without talent. Uh, there are some pretty good players on that field. It's a matter of surrounding them with other players that will help take some pressure off of them so they can be a, a team, you know, a unit that works together uh, with a common goal. So I would much rather play well the last 60 than not play well. I mean, if we didn't play well the last 60, you know, our record might have 120 losses. So I think it's, it says something about the character of the team, the competitiveness that they competed well, and that's something we can build off of. 913-586-7610. I don't know, man. Somebody says, are the three starters he's talking about as sure things? Cole Lynch and Singer? I don't think so. I don't think so. Someone says, no more rows, please, ever. Well, you know what? Sorry. Had a big press conference today. In press conference. But I promise you this. That is the last Royals question, or the last Royals content that we will have until there is breaking news in winter meetings, which then will go to our boy Vern. But now Vern gets a break, and you get after hours moving forward from here on out. Coming up on the other side, we'll do the out-of-left-field question. I'm going to do it a little bit differently tonight just to see if you guys are all listening. Again, the number is 913-586-7610. The out-of-left-field question is, what's a word that always is funny when invoked in casual conversation? Again, what is a word that's always funny when invoked in casual conversation? 913-586-7610. We get the out-of-left-field question on the other side. For JT, I'm Dusty Likens. This is 610 Sports Radio and After Hours.